Greetings from the gaslight quarter of downtown Transylvania, and welcome fellow Halloweeniacs to the Jack-O-Lantern Press podcast on the Weird Network, where we discuss monsters, Halloween, and tonight, the spooky time of year called Christmas. My name is Michael Piccarella, coming to you with a special bonus episode, Orson Welles' A Christmas Carol. It's Christmas Eve, and I don't know about you, but every Christmas Eve for the last 10 years or so, I try to listen to this radio broadcast that we're going to play right here tonight in its entirety. I'm not sure which version of this radio broadcast I have. Some claim it's the 1938 version. Others say it's from 1939. It might even be some other version. I've tried to nail it down, but uh, nowhere could I find definite proof. Um, The internet has various versions labeled for the same years, you know, The same version is claimed to be the 1938 version. Many versions claim to be 39 version. I have no idea. But without a doubt, however, this is the performance I heard when I was a kid. We had a cassette tape of it, and it's really spooky, but it's also really heartwarming. And I've seen a lot of versions of this. I've read a couple versions of it, heard a few versions of it. But uh, whether on the screen, stage, in audio form, or even on the page, this is easily one of my favorite tellings of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Narrated by Orson Welles with Sir Lionel Barrymore as Ebenezer Scrooge, this radio drama, like listening to Orson Welles' War of the Worlds every October 30th, has become a tradition that I so look forward to every December 24th. There's a funny, spooky story about the cassette tape version of this radio drama that I owned as a kid. Tom and I talked about it on our Ghostly Christmas Carols podcast. That was episode 22 of this show. And I don't want to repeat it, but what happened with that tape in the dead of the night certainly adds to the nostalgia and creepiness that I hold with me each time I listen to it. And, and it makes it all the cooler. Now, Lionel Barrymore first starred as Scrooge in the radio dramatization of A Christmas Carol on December 25th, 1934 for the CBS Radio Network, which began a tradition he would repeat on various network programs every Christmas until 1953. According to various articles from the Washington Post, Barrymore missed just two years during that time span. He missed it in 1936 when his brother John Barrymore filled in because of the death of Lionel's wife. Then in 1938, Lionel was ill and Orson Welles played the part of Scrooge. That said, I suppose we can assume that what we're playing here tonight is not the 1938 version, According to the Monster Movie Kid blog in a December 24th, 2021 post, only five of Barrymore's 18 performances still exist, and only three are widely available. The most memorable, the the blog states, is the 1939 Campbell Playhouse adaptation. Again, I'm not sure if this one here tonight is that production, I've heard other productions online that are said to be the 1939 version, and it's definitely not this one. 
Lionel Barrymore is, of course, probably best known for another Christmas classic where he played the Scrooge-like evil Mr. Potter. That film, of course, 1946's It's a Wonderful Life. But of all his performances, Barrymore said Scrooge was among his favorites, and A Christmas Carol was one of the stories he held closest to his heart. He said that when he was a kid, it was read to him regularly during Christmas time. He added that he and his siblings even acted out the story in their childhood home many times. Orson Welles would soon after this go on to make the 1941 film Citizen Kane, twice ranked by the American Film Institute as the greatest American film ever made. Welles co-wrote, produced, directed, and starred in the film as the title character. He was just 23 years old. Now, from who knows what year, hoping it'll inspire you to start your own annual Christmas Eve tradition of listening to this broadcast, starring Sir Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge, narrated by Orson Welles, here is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Oh. Good evening, this is Orson Welles. There are clearly a number of ways in which a Christmas carol could be introduced. Myself, I am most struck by the happy fortune that enables us on this Christmas Eve to present Mr. Lionel Barrymore, the best-loved actor of our time, in the world's best-loved Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. There is, I think, in all America nothing more eagerly awaited, more firmly rooted in the hearts of the radio family that numbers millions of this yearly performance of A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, as Charles Dickens wrote it, has by common consent long been a classic. Mr. Lionel Barrymore's appearance in it is rapidly becoming one. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone with Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little cell beyond worked at his ledgers. 19, 20, 21, 22. Merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 23, 26, 29, 9, carry 2. Christmas Day. 11, 13, 17, 7, carry 1. Our own Bob Pratchett. Yes, Mr. Scrooge. Stop, Pratchett. Infernal cattle walling. Yes,
15, 17, 29 carols. Singing their idiotic Christmas carols at my very door. Go somewhere else and bellow your blasted carols, or I'll give you in charge. Yes, and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. Christmas. Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred. God save you, Uncle. Ah, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle? No, I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What, what reason have you? You're bored enough. Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Ah. Now, Uncle, don't be cross. Well, what else can I be? When I live in such a world of fools. What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? Merry Christmas. A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should. Uncle? Nephew? Keep your Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? A Christmas gift, I've no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. Much good it ever has done you. There are many things from which I derive good by which I have not profited materially, I dare say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. God bless Christmas. Hurrah! Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. You talk enough nonsense. Don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I've tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Ah, humbug. And a Merry Christmas to you, Bob and the missus, and to Tiny Tim. Thank you, Mr. Fred. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle. Blummery. Talking of Christmas and not two sixpences to jingle together in his trousers' pocket. You there, Bob Cratchit. Come here. What are you doing there? I was only putting a bit more coal on the fire, Mr. Scrooge, seeing it's so cold in there, sir. Well, you put that coal back into the scuttle. A fire. A fire, indeed. I can tell you, if you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Cratchit. You understand that? There's many a young fella like your situation, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the cold. And put on your mittens. There's someone at the door. See who it is. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley. Yes, sir. I should like to see the head of the firm, if I may. Oh, very good, sir. What is it? A gentleman to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Well, now, Mr. Scrooge, at this season of the year, 
It's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comfort, sir. Uh, are there no prisoners? There are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in operation, I trust. I wish I could say they are not, but they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then? Both very busy, sir. Oh, well, I'm very glad to hear that. I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful cause. No, sir, all these institutions that you mention are flourishing. But it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. Nah. A few of us upon change are endeavoring to raise such a fund, you see. And what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir. I wish to be let alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas time, and I can't afford to keep a lot of idle people and make them merry. I help support the establishments that take care of the poor. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. Well, then, my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It's the truth, Mr. Scrooge. Well, so be it, then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, sir. I quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Cratchit, show this gentleman out. Yes, sir. This way, please. Sir, I couldn't help overhearing. I should like to contribute threepence. Cratchit! Yes, sir. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situation than I. You're a generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your employer. Cratchit! Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas. Close the door. Yes, sir, I have closed it, sir. 24, 31, 1 and carry 3. A new scarlet tippet for Tiny Tim. And a comb for Martha. 33, 3 and carry 3. Hair ribbon for Belinda. 4, 7, 12, 15. I suppose you want the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient and it's not fair. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. If I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used. I'll be bound. Well, sir, I... And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work? It's only once a year, sir. Once a year. Once a year, indeed. A fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose it's no good talking. You must have the whole day. Well, see that you're here all the earlier the next morning. You understand? Oh, I will, sir. I will, sir, indeed. Good night, sir, and Merry Christmas. Ah. Merry Christmas! Ah. The office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill 20 times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Buff. Scrooge on the 
the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap and Scrooge likes it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope with his hands through the fog and the frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa. Nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. Closed the door. Locked himself in, double locked himself in. And took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap. And sat down before the fire to take his gruel. Mm. Uh, <coughs> Marley. 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 I could have sworn I saw... Oh, ah, humbug. Marley's been dead these seven years. Humbug. It's all humbug. What I need is a good night's... Wine cellar. But the door's locked and double locked. Something's it's, it's coming. Something it is. It's coming closer. Outside my door. Ah, I won't believe it. It's humbug still. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh no. What do you want with me? I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Are you very particular for a ghost? All right. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley? But you're dead. You died seven years ago. Seven years ago this very night. You are a ghost, then? What's wrong, Ebenezer? Don't you believe in me? I do not. You doubt your senses, Ebenezer? Yes. Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You can't be a ghost. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, Fragment of an underdone potato. <laughs> there may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. <laughs> humbug, I tell you. Humbug. <laughs> Excuse me, Jacob. Excuse me. I do believe in you. You are a ghost, Jacob. Thank you. But what? Why do you walk the earth, Jacob? Why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness. Oh, tell me, Jacob, what is that chain you wear around you? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard by my own free will 
Is its pattern strange to you, Ebenezer? Cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, purses. Yours was as heavy and as long as this seven years ago. And you have labored on it since, Ebenezer. Oh, Jacob, speak comfort to me. Comfort I have none to give. I cannot rest, I cannot stay, I cannot linger. Weary journeys lie before me. You travel fast? Yes, Ebenezer, on the wings of the wind. Seven years dead and traveling all the time? Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence. They were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Oh, Jacob, don't take on so. Jacob. Listen to me, Ebenezer. I listen to you, Jacob. Go on, Jacob, speak to me. But don't be so flowery. Ebenezer, I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Do you hear that, Ebenezer? Yes, Jacob. You always were a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. But go on. Go on. Go on. How shall I escape? Oh, I'm, I'm afraid, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob? It is your only chance and hope. Well, then I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow. When the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Ebenezer, look that for your own sake you remember what has passed between us. And remember, when the bell tolls one, look for the first spirit. Molly. Jacob Molly. <laughs> Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed fully dressed. Suddenly the curtains of his bed were drawn aside. Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. As close to it as I am now to you. And I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure. Like a child. Yet not so like a child as like an old man. Ebenezer Scrooge. <gasps> who? Who is that? Ebenezer Scrooge, I have come for you. You... You are the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold me? I am that spirit. Who... who what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No. Your past. But... Oh, what do you want of me? What brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare, Ebenezer Scrooge. Rise and walk with me. 
Oh, no, 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 you're not out of the window. I can't do that. I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal. I'll fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. What's become of the city? And there's snow upon the ground. Where are we? These are the shadows of the things that have been. You recognize this countryside? <gasps> oh, I know every inch of it. Every rock, every tree. And that bleak building over there? Ah, that building. I was a boy there. Yes. I went to school in that horrible place. Do you recollect that path? I could walk it blindfold. Strange you forgot it so many years. Come, let us go closer. Look through the window into that cold, barren room. What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family, alone. Yes, yes. I see. I know that boy. Oh, I was so lonely. Poor boy. Your lip is trembling, Scrooge. And what is that on your cheek? It's nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I wish I... Uh, but it's too late for that now. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. The waits came to my door singing Christmas carols last night. It was a boy like that among them. A poor, thin, pale boy in a ragged coat. I'd like to have given him something. That's all. Is that all? Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas. This place, Ebenezer Scrooge? Know it? Know it? Why, this is the counting house where I was apprenticed. Listen. Why, it's my old master. Bless his heart, old Fezziwig. My master, alive again. And host of one of his Christmas parties. <laughs> Listen to it. Ready, Dino, and back to your places. <laughs> and there's Dick Wilkins. Poor Dick. Dear, 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 yes. And look, there's Mrs. Fezziwig herself, looking younger than any of them. And the table's all loaded with roast and cider and mince pie and beer. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have. That carefree young man with the light heart and the gay smile. Do you recognize him? Yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven. How happy I was then. A small matter for old Fezziwig to make those silly folks so full of joy. Small matter? Small indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? Ah, it's not that. It's not that, spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or heavy, 
His power lies in words and looks in things so tiny it's impossible to count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost her. What is the matter? Nothing. Nothing at all, Spirit. Something, I think. No, no, Speak. no. No. Only, it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob Cratchit, just now, that's all. has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy, the eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, please. She knows it, too, that girl by your side. There are tears in her eyes. It matters little, Ebenezer, to you. Very little. I know that. Belle, have I changed towards you? When we were engaged... We were both poor. Was it better then? Better to be poor? Better at least to be happy. You're changed. You were another man then. I was a boy. Do you blame me because I've grown wiser? Have I ever tried to break our engagement? In words, no. Never. In, in what then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So I release you from your promise. Belle. Oh, at first it may cause you pain to lose me. A very brief pain. But soon it will be dim, like a half-remembered dream. An unprofitable dream. And you will be glad to be awake from such a dream. May you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer. For the love of him you once were. Spirit, it's enough. Show me no more. Take me home. These were shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. No more. No more. One shadow more. Come. Do you see this man, Ebenezer Scrooge? This man might have been you. And the woman beside him, your wife. And that girl. That girl might have been your daughter, Ebenezer Scrooge. She might have called you father. 
She might have been a springtime in the haggard winter of your life. Please let me go. Show me no more. Listen now. While they speak, Ebenezer. Bill, I saw an old friend of yours today. Who was it? Yes. How can I? It's... Oh, I know. Mr. Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window. It wasn't shuttered. And there was a candle inside, so I couldn't help seeing him. His partner, Marley, lies at the point of death, I hear. And there Scrooge sat all alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, spirit, I can bear no more. Leave me. Haunt me no more. Take me back. Take me back. stroke of one, Scrooge awakened suddenly and sat him bolt upright in his own bed. He remembered the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then as he sat in his bed, he became aware, gradually, of a great blaze of ruddy light that seemed to shine upon him from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, there was no doubt about that but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. And there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn and held it up high up to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the corner. Come in, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. You're... I am the ghost of Christmas present. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge. Touch my robe. Where have you brought me, spirit? To an humble dwelling in an humble street. <laughs> it's miserable enough. Yet there is happiness there. Who are these people? Who's that woman and the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. See his wife, dressed in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laying the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is her daughter, Belinda. And the young man with a fork in the stuffing, that's Master Peter Cratchit. And the two little Cratchits, listen, Scrooge, and watch. Here's Martha, Mother. Oh, 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 quiet, children, quiet. Now sit you down.
down before the fire, Martha, and have a warm, Lord bless you. Where's Father? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is. And sometimes I think... Oh, dear God, if anything should happen to Tiny Tim. Oh, Mother, you mustn't even Mary, think of such a thing. Oh, oh, it's Mary. Mary. Oh, Mary. Oh, Mary. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, 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 welcome, my dear. Oh, Merry Christmas, Father, and Tim. Merry Christmas, Martha. Oh, Tim, you darling. Oh, Father, I'm so glad to be home. And we're glad to have you, Martha. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? As good as gold and better. I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope people saw me there. Saw you there? And why, Tim? Well, don't you see? Because I'm lame. And if they saw my crutch, it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Bless you, my son. Are we ready to eat, Mother? Oh, yes, children, we're all ready. Come, come, take your places and wait your turn. There's plenty of stuffing and dressing and plum pudding for all of you. Martha, take care of Tiny Tim and see that he eats plenty. Yes, he must mother. get strong and well. Now sit down, everyone. Yes, come on, Tiny Tim. And now, my dears. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. No, 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 kind spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, Ebenezer, the child will die. And to praise thy name. Amen. Amen. And now, my dears, with such a dinner, a toast, a Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. Oh, God bless us, everyone. And now to Mr. Scrooge. I'll give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, who pays you all a 15 shillings a week. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have good appetite oh, for my it. my dear, the children, Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the day's, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. And I say God bless him too, Mother, and everyone. Yes, yes I There was nothing of high mark in all this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and had known, very likely, the insides of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another and contented with the time. And when at last they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them. And especially on Tiny Tim, until the last. Many calls Scrooge made that night with a ghost of Christmas present. 
down among the miners they went who labor in the bowels of the earth, and out to sea among the sailors at their watch, dark ghostly figures in their several stations. Much they saw and far they went, and many places they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds and they were cheerful, on foreign lands and they were close at home, by poverty and it was rich, in almshouse, hospital and jail, where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, the spirit left his blessing. It was a long night. It was only a night. And it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older. Clearly older. My life upon this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Ah, the hour has come. Oh, not yet. Not yet. No. There are still more things I wish to learn. These you will learn from still another spirit. Still another spirit, Ebenezer. <laughs> Scrooge looked about him for the ghost. It had vanished. But he found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown, in his nightcap. He'd heard the clock strike. And then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley. And lifting up his eyes, beheld the third spirit. A solemn phantom. Shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him slowly and silently, like a mist along the ground. I know you. You, you are the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You'll show me the shadows of things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Answer me, spirit, ghost of the future. Oh, I fear you more than any specter I've seen. Yet, as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, lead on. Lead on! The night is waning fast. Time is precious. Spirit, why have you brought me here again? Here to Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. Why is it so quiet? So very quiet here. <laughs> Mother. Mother, please. Oh, my son. My little son. Don't, him. I loved him so. Mother, dear, you mustn't. It's almost time for Father to be home. Don't let him see you crying. Yes. Yes, Martha. He's late tonight. He walks slower than he used to. Yet I've known him to walk very fast indeed with tiny Tim on his shoulder. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry. 
And his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble at all. Bob. Good evening, my dear. You're late, Bob. I'm sorry, my dear. I, I went to the churchyard today. I wish you could have gone with me. It would have done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. You'll see it often. I promised him. I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Oh, Father dear, it's God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My son. My little son, Tiny Tim. And I loved him so. Oh, that's cruel. Cruel. Spirit. Can't you give me one ray of hope that I may change all that? The tiny Tim may live. shadows of things that will be, or, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Will you not speak to me, spirit? What is that grave to which you point? <gasps> now I see. There's writing on that stone. The name on the gravestone is Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. <gasps> Show me this, if I'm past all hope. Tell me that I may change these dreadful shadows that, that have come, that you've shown me by an altered life. I'll honor Christmas in my heart, and I'll try and keep it all the year. I'll live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me, do, spirit. Please tell me that I can sponge away the writing on that stone, spirit. I beg of you, spirit, spirit. Spirit, I promise on my knees. I promise, I promise, I... I... I'm home, in my own bed, in my own room, and the sun, the sunshine, it's clear, it's bright, no fog, oh, what a beautiful day, glorious, glorious, boy, oh boy, yes, <laughs> sir, 
uh, what's the day? What's that, sir? What day is it, my fine fella? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day? Ha, <laughs> ha. Then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night. Heaven be praised. How's that, sir? Listen, my lad. Do you know where the poultry is in, in, in the next street? I should say I do. <laughs> An intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me, do you know if they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? The one as big as me? <laughs> What a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my buck? It's hanging there now, sir. Oh, that's wonderful. Now go around, will you, and tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And mind you, they're not to know who paid for it. Now hurry along, my lad. And here, here, here's half a crown for your trouble. Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you, too, my boy. <sighs> oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. A Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. Whoop! Next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock had struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. And at last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door. His comforter, too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake 9 o'clock. 8 and 17 are 15. Carry the 1, 24. Carry the 2, 31. Carry the 4. 8 and 6 are 14. Carry the 8. Hello, you, Cratchit. Yes, sir. Step this way, Cratchit, if you please. Cratchit, what do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Oh, I'm very sorry, sir. I'm behind my time. You are? You are? Yes, I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It, it shall not be repeated. I was I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I, I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Bob Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary. Mr. Scrooge, are you... Are you... Quite yourself, sir? No. No. Thank heaven I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. Ha-ha! <laughs> Merry Christmas, my good fella. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I'll raise your salary and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. <laughs> we'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Bob... Make up the fire. Make it up and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye. Scrooge was better than his word. 
he did it all, and infinitely more. To Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare I hope you enjoyed listening to that and hope it becomes a Christmas Eve tradition in your home. This version of the story is really powerful to me. There, there was one Christmas Eve while on a drive up to a family Christmas a number of years back that I listened to this again. My, my wife and, and son had gone to sleep in the car and I put it on and it, I guess it was a tough time in my life, and perhaps I was in just the right place to hear it, but Scrooge's reflection, his regret, his reevaluation of his life, his pain, his joy, and his hope was just so powerful to me. It, it struck me differently than any other time I had watched, read, or heard the story. There was the the goodwill toward man sentiment that really just packed a much more powerful wallop to me. And I don't know, I feel like Scrooge's arc, his, as he changed his attitude upon looking at himself in the mirror was just so much more powerful to me. Maybe I was doing some reflecting in my life at the time, but you really felt his struggle in his reflection. And Barrymore's emotion, his conviction for the character were just so strong that, I don't know, it just hit me in a way that uh, was more powerful, more, more profound than in previous experiences I've had with the story. But it's also, in this version, you, you got Dickens' prose by way of Wells' amazing narration. The, the music and the sounds were just r- so effective. It's like this, this version plays like a, a Christmas story with, with those Christmas songs that give that great Christmas feel, but... It also has that ghostly feel you'd want at Halloween time. I don't know if anyone else feels this way too, but I don't know. It really did. I listen when I was a kid. I listened to a lot of Halloween sounds albums, and this kind of had something that those had as well. I listened to a lot of ghost stories at Halloween time, and this had that too. And I don't know. It just works. F- so well at Christmas time for me too. I'm actually I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Fright Before Christmas: Surviving Krampus and Other Yuletide Monsters by Jeff Bellinger. And Bellinger states early on in the book that 
he's on a mission to quote-unquote save Christmas and return the true spirit of what he calls the creepiest of holidays. So he writes in the book about a time when winter was once upon a time the scariest time of year, when you worried if you had enough food to survive the season, if your roof would hold up under all the snow, if you could keep your sanity while shut inside with little to do until spring, if that sound outside is just the wind whipping through the trees or anguished cries of angry spirits. The winter solstice, he continues, used to be considered a time of fear, and in the darkest corners of that fear were monsters lurking. Among those many creatures and beasties is Krampus, who punishes mortals who do not behave, and Christmas spirits who haunt those who can't find it in their hearts to be kind and charitable. It's a cool book, just like this was a cool story, a little darker than most Christmas stories, and might that be a reminder to you this Christmas to have charity and goodwill in your heart. Now, I did want to touch on one last thing before leaving you to the evils that will go bump in the night tonight. It's about the year of this production. Sorry, I know, to come back to it again, but I just found a piece of audio that followed this exact production, and in that audio, actor Lionel Barrymore stated that this was his fourth time playing Scrooge in the radio dramatization of A Christmas Carol. That said... If he started the tradition on December 25th, 1934, as previously stated, then that means this was the 1937 production. But sources also claim that Barrymore missed the 1936 production. That would make his fourth time the 1938 production. Well, sources also claimed Barrymore missed the 1938 production, that Wells did it. So that then would mean his fourth time doing the show was 1939. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this production you heard was most likely from 1939. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Jack-O-Lantern Press Podcast. For more about the monster universe and the monster revolution that's upon us, go to jackolanternpress.com where you can find our book Transylvania Traveler a humorous travel guide to and through the monster universe you'll find our store with a lot of cool merch our podcast our blog and all kinds of other goodies those looking to tell us what's on your mind call our pumpkin hotline and leave a message with any questions suggestions or your impressions of the show at 323 761 0276. And if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and a review. It's a big help for the podcast, and we would greatly appreciate it. Now, to take us out, we usually like to play a clip from a Halloween Sounds album that Tom and I had as kids. Tonight, however, we're going to play a clip from the Dickens Village Sounds tape that we used to play under our Christmas tree next to our Dickens Village. This is Department 56's Village Sounds cassette tape. As always, thank you for joining us this evening, and we'll meet up again soon in the Pumpkin Patch. <laughs>